Welcome to episode 31 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Well, guys, so welcome along to episode 31 of Iron Man Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles, who's Coach is eating a biscuit right now, mate. How you oh, go, mate? Quality. <laughs> all, all things considering, I think we're both doing pretty well. We're doing pretty well. Coach John and I have had a huge couple of days. We did 180 on the bike yesterday. Uh, and a few people have already written through complaining that the show's not online yet. But uh, we're running a little bit late today because today we did, what do we do? Two, 238. Basically, 240. Uh, long bays, which is, we did triple long bays. Uh, John's actually, we talked about mapping. What was that website you mapped it on? Brightly.com, I think it was. Brightly, yeah. Eat your biscuit, mate. <laughs> and uh, so we've had a long day today. We basically were on the bike for nine hours, including stops, and then 20 minutes off the bike. So mm. it was... Uh, and I'm going to be standing up for a large part of the show. <laughs> my ass is raw. It's raw high. <laughs> they really didn't want to know about that, mate. So this week's show, we've got a latest news, and we've got some big news with, uh, after Hawaii. Uh, then we've got our hot topic of the week. We've got our age grouper of the week, website of the week, high five. For uh, high five, or uh, what is it? It's saddle sores. Saddle sores. How to prevent saddle sores? I've had issues with saddle sores, and particularly when you're doing a 230k ride, so 240k ride. So mm. we're going to go into that. Uh, Coach's corner this week, mate. Well, we actually had an interview in Coach's corner this week, so mm. we've uh, just finished doing that with a guy called Amber, Andrew Abercan. Really he's good a, interview. He's a local fella. Well, kind of part local, part from different parts of the world. And uh, we're just sort of talking about some uh, recovery strategies and, and things like that. Very interesting, very knowledgeable yeah, Andrew's guy. Andrew's a physiotherapist and he's one of those guys who loves detail and he's, yeah, he really knows his stuff. It was a really good interview. Product review centre? Yeah, and that's very sorry, uh, exciting. The people who did the movie What It Takes sent us through a copy of it and uh, we both had a look at it over the weekend and we're going to give our thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Not going to give too much away, but we're going to... too much away. Questions and answers. Now, we're actually going to, we may do questions and answers. We kind of think we're going to be running late. But I'm off to Taipei in a couple of weeks to teach some aerobics in Taipei. So we, we just had to edit something. John just did something <laughs> shocking, but some things can't go on the show. So I'm off to Taipei in a couple of weeks. And uh, so we're, we're not going to be able to do the show that week. So that week, we're going to pre-record it. And we're just going to have the big questions and answers show. Basically, the whole show will be questions and answers. So we're going to do that then. So I'm um, keep sending. We've got heaps and heaps of questions this week, so it's really cool. So if you don't hear your answer over this week or next week, don't don't be afraid. We are going to kind of attack it soon. So first of all, news. Well, there's a big Maca versus Norman Norman <coughs> issue. It's kind yeah. of dragged on a bit. It's not really. I don't well, we didn't really it. touch on it that much last week, so I think we should probably go into detail now. So after the race, Norman came out firing, didn't he? Well, he just he uh, he sort of said that Macca was drafting and, and he, blah blah. He said cheating. He, he yeah, was cheating. And yeah. apparently, Farris said the same thing. And then, you know, uh, I said to you on the bike yesterday. I mean, who, who cares? Regardless, he won the race. You know, so yep. if, yeah, if, if Macca was drafting, which I don't think he was, um, who cares anyway? He won the race. So I, th- I thought it was a, a pretty stupid thing to do, considering he won. But uh, he ca- he kicked it off, and and Mac but Stadler was a bit silly, wasn't he? Apparently, he gave the this is all rumours. I'm not sure if it's 100 percent true, but apparently he gave the fingers to Peter Reed in the, in the stage um, in because the stage. Peter Reed had said in Triathlete magazine that Norman wouldn't win the race and couldn't win the race. So and there was Mac. also something to, regarding a wreath or something, a, a traditional wreath and from he Hawaii. Threw, threw that into the crowd, or which or was something. disrespectful. Now. You know, you've won the biggest race in the world. You know, you, you, you're shining the light. Why would you do it? 
yeah, well, he's, it's not like it's the first time. He has done some stupid things in the past, and uh, and Mac, you know, Mac is a bit of a hothead. He's a great guy. Really, really like the guy. Um, and he sort of came out firing once, yeah, once this happened, and sort of confronted them. And apparently, there's a bit of an issue at, at the either after party or somewhere press conference. Um, and it all blew out of proportion. Well, no, and, and yeah, and because Mac went up to Mac, um, try, 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 think Mac. Yeah, they had some really good interviews with both of them actually. And Mac basically said he went up to Ferris after the race and said, "Oh, you know, this is what happened." Blah blah. And Ferris was really cool, and he went up to Norman because Norman had been speaking it up big time, and and he was pretty disappointed in the way Norman kind of responded to him. Mm. But the worst thing is, is that they both seem to be acting like five year old kids because. So Norman came out, acted in a way that was, you know, that was really unnecessary. And then so Mac comes out and you kind of, for me, you, you take the higher ground. You know, yeah. you say, you know what, you know, if that's how he feels, so be it. And then you go and you smash him in the next race. And Mac has came out and he's just gone crazy, hasn't he? Yeah, he's really... If you guys haven't had a chance to read the interview on trythinkmag.com, try yeah, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. It's, it's just really interesting. He just goes, he just goes overboard. Yeah. Yeah, and he talks about how he's the greatest of all time and it's just... Well, not of all time, but he's one of the greats, and that you know, once he wins Hawaii, he'll go down as you know one of the greats. And he does have some points. He kind of makes out that you, you know, it's, it seems a bit silly in Ironman that if you don't win Hawaii, you don't go down as a great. And you know, he's basically saying that Norm's only won, you know, Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. And so he does have some good points in there, and yeah, um, it's just not necessary, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but in one aspect, it does make it pretty exciting for next year, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. yeah. So we'll yeah. see what happens. But uh, you know, Mecca had some good points there, but you know. I just think it's it's not necessary, and and it really gets fueled on all those forums and stuff. People have just been going ballistic about mm, it, haven't they? And mm. Putting in their ten cents worth. So we think, uh, you know, both both sort of come out with egg on their faces. Neither of them look very good, in my opinion. But yeah, I, th- I think that they both yeah they look kind of childish, to be honest. And mm. um, I do think it it does add a cool aspect to our sport because yeah. I think a good rivalry is good for sport. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, and uh, Mecca seems to be all funds fires, you know, like the, the downfall is, is that again, this is a thing I've mentioned lots, is that we've got to wait a bloody year, yeah, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah, man, it'll be cool for like three months when they had the, you know, the, the battle. Well, so. Mecca does say he's going to maybe shadow him down and go and race somewhere, whether he goes to Frankfurt or wherever, um, mm. we'll, see, so we'll see what happens on that one. Although in saying that, it probably won't really count until Hawaii, yeah. you know, yeah. if Mecca can't beat him in Hawaii next year, it's all, yeah. so it's all on. And uh, next up, we had Ironman Kentucky. I got the email through this morning from uh, Ironman.com saying there's only 100 slots left. 100 slots. And that was this morning, so I dare say it's probably full by now. <laughs> so yeah, if it's not, if you guys haven't, if you're planning on doing it and you haven't done it, now you want to go on there right now and do it because yeah. that's unbelievable, isn't it? It's a, it's a license to print money, the Ironman Corporation, isn't it? They well, it's just... amazing. What I find interesting is that you look at how big North America is. It's amazing they don't have more races. Yeah. You know, it's obviously... Not a problem filling them up. Exactly. You can probably get ten races in that part of the world and, and oh, store well. them full up. Watch that space. I'm mm. sure they will. I mm. mean, uh, they've recently ro- ro- rolled out what Florida and uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, I mean, it's not Florida, Arizona. So yep. it is getting bigger and bigger every year. So mm. we'll, uh, I, I dare say, they will have more events. Mm. Yeah, the demand's there. Yeah, it's good money maker for them. Yeah. The biggest news of the week is obviously this one. Bevan is doing Epic Camp. Bevan's doing Epic Camp. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> Booked in for Epic Camp this week, so I'm looking pretty forward to it. We're going to have a big... Um, I'm basically going away, and I'm going to be taking my laptop, which I don't own yet, but I'm going to buy one. <laughs> and uh, Buy a new little Apple laptop. And oh, um, and so yeah, we're basically going to... When we're in Epic Camp, I'm going to try to do lots and lots of reports, and it'll probably be a little bit more than the weekly show. And uh, we're going to give you a really good insight into... My experience, a lot of these guys on the camps, and obviously Gordo, Scott, and John here, mm. um, KP as well. 
just some of the experience heads and really just give you a detail what try to give you as much of the experience as possible day by day blow blow day, by blow blow by blow mm. so that, that's going to be good mm. going to be good mm. and uh, we're sort of coming to the tail end of the season but we've still got a few things happening yep. results we had uh, the Soma Half Ironman um, now we did get a uh, an email in from yeah uh, I'm just trying to find that right now so, uh, somebody kindly sent in a bit of a race report saying it's one of the larger half Ironmans in the uh, in in the sort of the states, and uh, we had some results there. Let's just, let's just pause. Just so much, here we go. No, no, no. Right. Here yeah. are the results. So, uh, we had Lewis Elliott take the win in Good front time. of uh, from Scottsdale, and then we had Andre Yestebov in second. Uh, it was 3.58, 4.02 was second, and then Jonathan Caron, 4.02.44 was third. So um, pretty good close racing. And then on the girls' side of things, we had Hilary Biscay took the race out. She's had a fantastic year. Yeah, um, she hasn't. She she's done often, a lot it? of racing yeah. and uh, consistently been up there in the top three. And then uh, Kachimaya. Kachimaya was in second place. And then Magali Tessarel. Oh, we'll do that. Uh, I was in third place, so it looked all pretty close there as well. But a pretty big field there. Yeah, um, pretty good race for second in the men's, only like 20 seconds between. 20, 20 seconds So out. it was Brian, Brian, Brian Dunn. Dunn. Yeah, he sent us through a race report, and he had a really good race. He was hoping to come in around 2.435, I think it was, and he ended up doing a sub or 4.26. So, 4.26. Yeah, yeah, he had a really great race, and he was just saying it felt 19th really good. 19th overall, 8th amateur, 3rd in the 35 to 30 and 35 men. Yeah, I'm actually going to put his race report on up online. If you guys want to, I'll do it as a PDF. If you want to kind of download it and have a look and have a read, it's a really good report. He just uh, beat his coach, which is quite nice. Oh, <laughs> but he didn't actually beat his coach because there was a split start, but he beat his coach to the finish line, and that's uh. all that mattered. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so well done, bro. Good work. Thanks for sending that through. It's nice to kind of hear what you guys are doing. Um, what else we have here? Exterior on the weekend. We had exterior. I mean, this isn't this isn't really Iron Man stuff, but, uh, but hey, but it's hey, a Kiwi. <laughs> it's a Kiwi took the win. Hamish Carter took everybody down. Mm, mm. Uh, took twenty five grand home by the look of it on the yeah, paycheck, which grand was, US, uh, yeah. that's a pretty solid payday mm, for that. Mm. Um, so first time he's ever done it. He's done the exterior in New Zealand a couple of times and uh, and won that pretty convincing fashion. So for those who don't know, what is exterior? It's a uh, swim bike run, um, but the, it's a mountain bike um, for the bike. And then sort of a cross country run, and uh, and I'm pretty sure it's fifteen hundred swim, forty k bike, ten k run. Mm. Um, but Hamish Carter is just such a versatile athlete. He's uh, he's just he's just a talented sort of guy. You know, he's one of these guys who can go out. He's probably on like a two handicap with golf, and yeah. we had this show in New Zealand called uh, Clash of the Codes. That's right, I loved that program. Eh? <laughs> it was great, yeah. and you used to have three people from different sports uh, sort of competing in all these weird sort of things like mountain bike racing. Do you know who won that one year? Aerobics. Oh, really? There you go. Aerobics are the best. When Hamish was doing it, (coughs) he'd win everything. Yeah, he was awesome, there. They they had a a stair climb up the biggest uh, building in New Zealand, and he just blitzed everybody. Even the runners. Yeah, Mm, he killed mm, them all, mm, and uh, won like the mountain biking races, and just anything like running through mud, anything that involved exercising, he just killed everybody. Yeah. Um, So he's a great athlete. We were talking about it today on the bike, as if if he were to go to um, Ironman, Harry would go. Yeah, I, I don't think it motivates him. I don't think it's... Yeah, well, he's getting he, a bit on now too. He's yeah, 35, so yeah. But um, I'm sure he'd do well. He's just one of those guys. But whether whether he can, yeah, you know, he's motivated enough to do do the volume. Mm. Um, but but I'm thinking not. He, every time we hear him talk, he's kind of uh, closer to the end of his career. Mm. So we got this, John. So we're on the bike this morning. John's telling me about this Ironman, and where is it? Where is it? It's in, it's in Mexico. It's in it's extreme endurance ultra triathlon. Tell the story, man. It's a Decker Iron Triathlon. Decker. 
So I was on X-Try just sort of seeing what races are coming up. And uh, so this one in Mexico, and it's kind of coded on X-Try whether they're, you know, half, long, ultra. There's not many ultras. And I thought, oh, there's an ultra one. I'll click on this. Mm. So, so no, it's not the Hawaii Ironman. It's not the bloody uh, Ultraman they have in Hawaii. This thing there's here. nothing on this. This is nothing. It's a, uh, you've got the option. You can do an Ironman. You can do a double Ironman, triple Ironman, quadruple Ironman, uh, whatever it is, five, ching, something or other, Quint, Ironman, Quint, Quint Ironman, yeah. and then uh, a deck, Decker Ironman. <clears throat> so basically you've got 10 days, do 10 Ironmen in 10 days. But wait. <laughs> but, but wait, there's more. But wait, this is like an infomercial. <laughs> First thing is the swim is in a 50 metre pool. <laughs> oh, that's painful. But wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. The bike is on a two kilometre circuit. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So you've got to go each, each day. So you have ninety laps two k. But wait, there's more. But the run and the run is the same two kilometer loop. But but wait, there's more. It's in the opposite direction. So you do you <laughs> do. What happens? What happens with the cyclists and the runners are on the same course? Oh, well, you just run on the footpath, I guess, and then the, the run the bike would be on the road and the run would be no. on the footpath, mate. That is. If tedious. anybody is doing this, can you please let us know? Because that's, if anyone does a ten in ten days, that's incredible. And do you think anyone will? Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure though. We've got a few crazy Mexicans who listen, and we yeah, Mexicans. Fell? Yeah, they love to show you. Yep. So if if you guys do go down and watch, and maybe just give us a bit of uh, insight into what actually happens down there. It's I don't know. I don't know if it's you. the first time they've done it or not. I just sort of happened. So to basically, you've got to do 900 laps of the course for the bike mm. ride over 10 days. It really reminds me a lot of the the ultra marathon marathoners, which do things around you know. Um, Central Park. Central Park, and, and they do like a thousand miles, and they're down there for like five days. And, uh, and psychologically, that sort of stuff, just, you just go ballistic. Mm. Um, but hey, it's another event, and, uh, and, it's, and it's related to Ironman, so we're going to promote it. That's right. We do have an Ironman, an official Ironman on this weekend, Ironman Florida, mm-hmm. is that? So uh, Florida coming up. Mm. Florida, for anybody who's out there, and if you want to do well in Hawaii, Florida uh, is probably the best place to qualify, um, or Wisconsin, I think, because it gives you a whole year to prepare. So you qualify now, yep. and you've got a whole year to prepare for Hawaii. Um, so it's a great place. It's a fast course. Granted, apparently there is a fair amount of drafting there. It's it's pretty flat. Um, but hey, you do want to do well in Hawaii. This is a place to qualify. So we couldn't find a start list. We've got a bit, a little bit. We've got a we've got a few hot hot guys racing. Uh, Spencer Smith. He um, apparently punched it in Hawaii. I'm not quite sure. I didn't hear quite hear what was going on there. Um, but he's racing. Uh, we've also got Lothar Leader. I, I think Lothar Leader is great. Very, very good, versatile athlete. He's one of the few athletes who managed to do well at Ironman and also at the same time do well at Olympic distance. So he, I, I think he's... Well, the, hey, the greatest of all time has. He's Mecca. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but I think Lothar's great. And uh, Rainer Tissink's also racing, and he was in my top five picks for Hawaii. So I mm. hope he doesn't win because he decided not to bloody race Hawaii. And, uh, I didn't know so race. He ruined, oh. my, ruined my pick. Mm. Otherwise, I would have got five out of five. Do we have female? They don't really have much information on who's racing this, females. Well, this is another thing I was going to bring up. They, they never really do much press releases about the races because mm. we, we always have to go and look through the start really hard, lists yeah. um, and sort of pick people out of the start lists, whereas this is the first time in a long time that I've actually seen a press release that talks about the pro field. Mm. Um, and so I'd like to... This is my weekly slag off of Man. I'd like to see a bit more of that. I guess it probably does come down to the race organisers at the, each individual race. But yeah, um, How long does it take to write up a page? Oh, I know, exactly. And, and the so, thing is, is they haven't mentioned a woman. No, so apologies for the girls. Um mm. We will uh, we'll cover that race in detail next yep, week. Um, and uh, like the true professionals we are. Yes, exactly. Um, we've also got we've also got Australia seventy point three. Poor Emeralds. Um, so 
What's, 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 what's the guy with Paul Ambrose? Oh, I've heard his name before. Oh, he's, isn't he a, a race car driver who does oh, the, the V8s? Jason Shortis. Jason Shortis is tying up. So it's the first time they've done um, 70.3 in Australia, and it's qualified for next year's 70.3 champs. So on the pro side of things, it's got um, you know, a few names we're pretty familiar with. Uh, Tuolborn Cinderbal, who was the record holder at Hawaii until this year when uh, Ferris, uh, when um, Norman Stadler took him down. Um, also got Chris McDonald, who's a good friend of ours, yep. who, who won uh, half Ironman last week. Yep. Jason Shortis, I'm not sure if he raced Hawaii this year, um, but if he did, he's backing up pretty quickly. <laughs> Matthias Hecht, he's a good athlete from Switzerland. Justin Granger, so, you know, all the Aussies are always good. You're always going to get a good race from there. From them, and you're always guaranteed the, a pretty good swim with the Aussies. Aren't exactly. You? <laughs> I was telling Bevan, we're sort of thinking about which races Bevan should do, and I said, look. You go to these races in Australia, and uh, there's a whole lot of names you, you'll never see before, and they'll just smash. Yeah. So I'm not <laughs> doing that. They're very fast. Uh, Marilyn McDonald and the chicks, that's pretty Marilyn much everything that I know. Yeah. Oh, no, Belinda Granger. Granger. So again, she, um, she's backing up from Australia. She got, what, about seventh this year in Australia, I think? Yep. Seventh, eighth, something like that. Um, so pretty pretty, pretty light on the old girls' side of things. Five chicks in it. Five, five chicks. Mm. But hey, all you Aussies, you get stuck in. Somebody sent us an email this week saying, we sound like Aussies. Oh, and that's, they, just wrong. Just, that's wrong. Australia. We don't sound like Australia. We don't sound like Australians. Australia. <laughs> um, good luck to everybody doing 70.3 in Australia. Okay, so last week our hot topic was... Um, wait a second, let me try to find it. What I'm going to on here. Last week's hot topic was talking about bikes. So I was just trying to fire up a bit of interest there. Hmm. Where, because uh, in, in cycling, you know, in elite cycling... Uh, there, oh, there's been oh, a few more wait comments. A second. Wait a sec. There was only eight there when I read them before. Um in, in cycling, there are restrictions in terms of geometry and, and, and a number of restrictions when you're doing time trials. So I was just wondering whether people think this should be something that should happen with uh, triathlon or whether we're pretty happy to keep embracing technology and, and you know, people who've got more money can buy themselves a bit of an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, there's a number of good points here. I mean, the overall theme was uh, everybody, you know, definitely don't, don't bring in any rules. Um and, and, you know, if the rich want to go buy bikes, that's fine. Yep. Um, and a number of guys said, if you sort of scroll at the top, uh, I think it was Neil um, was saying he's he uh, loves loves it because uh, he doesn't have a great bike and he loves passing people who've got great bikes. Yes, yeah, I like that that's, too. That's something mm. the guy I used to mm. love doing. Um, I used to have a piece of crap bike when I first started and you're riding along at these people with amazing bikes and you're passing them. The good motivator yeah. for, for, for that. Um Somebody also made, no, who wasn't made the point how often triathlons lead the kind of way when it comes to technology? It has, and, and cycling has followed triathlons. You know, mm. they're, they're called mm. tri bars because the mm. triathletes um, started them. Mm. So, mm. so yeah, we are we are typically uh, innovative. And um, and somebody else mentioned, uh, I think it was Stuart there mentioned about swimming and how there's so many ridiculous rules you got to comply with. And yeah, and and also somebody else mentioned, um, you know, if we if we did have rules. Then we're gonna to have to have a whole lot of referees sitting there, and you yeah. imagine going through bike check-in when yeah. it's, it's bad enough as it is now, and and somebody's sitting there with a tape measure. So, okay, so let's play devil's advocate. What what's what would be good about it? It's a fair field. There's a fair field. Um, nobody's getting an unfair advantage because uh, you know. Yep. Um, but what can you restrict? Like, can you restrict tires? I mean, wheels well, or more so geometry. You know, you've got to have a, a, a triangle. I think that's yep. the main thing with the, with cycling. You know, Bikes like Natasha Badman's ones would be banned. Yep. Um, I know there was a bit of an issue I saw saw popping up this time with um, aero helmets and whether they were sort of uh, met certain safety standards. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, that sort of came up. I don't think we want to get rid of tri bars. No, um, no. I think that would be a bit of a backward step. 
uh, disc wheels, you know, uh, you can't actually use a disc in Hawaii, um, you know, so you could place some restrictions. I know when I raced uh, in, in secondary school in New Zealand, so high school, whatever you want to call it, um, you weren't allowed to use race wheels when you went to the national champs and so on because, you know, that was seen as an unfair advantage. You're at school, you yeah, know, you you're shouldn't have, whinging yep. away to your parents to get you a $1,000 wheels, so you could say you've got to have a fully spoked wheel. Yep. So there's all these sorts of things we can do just to make it a bit more of a, an even even playing field. But you know, what's your thoughts? My thoughts is you know it, it would just uh, I I would kind of prefer it a more even playing field, but it's just not practical. Mm, yeah, mm. it just really isn't practical. Um, and so I think just uh, leave it as it is. What about you? Yeah, I'm the same. And like the top pros, they're going to get good bikes anyway because they're giving them to them. You know, like I don't imagine any of the top ten guys at Kona were paying for their bikes. And mm-hmm. uh, so they get good equipment anyway. And so for those guys, it's fair. And I think that's the most important thing. And I suppose for the age groupers, maybe if you're trying to win your age group, yeah, definitely, if you haven't got the best bike. But, you know, it's just life, I suppose, in, this, in our sport. A good point that somebody made, uh, I think it was one of the first guys, uh, if you sort of scroll okay, we'll up. Give him, he can be our, our person of the week. It was either Fegan or Neil. Um, okay, no. No. No, it, can't, well, it could have been Matthew. Um no. Somebody sort of said, you know, you see a lot of these guys with really amazing flash bikes, but they haven't actually had a decent bike set up on them, so they're yeah. not, actually, not actually taking advantage of that. So I thought, that, so if you do, do have a read oh, through that. Well, Matthew did some, make a good point here. It's funny how the bike technology has got better, but the times are pretty much the same. Yeah, and, and a good interview to listen to on, on that is uh, Dave Scott's interview, um, and I mentioned that to you, I think it was on Competitor Radio. Yeah, yeah, the one we mentioned last week. And, yeah. and he talks about that in quite a bit of detail, why they, they aren't necessarily getting any faster at Hawaii. And, and what was his point? A lot of it has to do with um, you know being in a single line. Um, when they used to race, they could have a, a double line, so you eliminate the blocking rule, and mm. and that's also you know a lot of it centres around the debate with whether Chris McCormick was drafting or not. Yeah. Um, because you got to think about it. If you're theoretically, if you're you know say you're ten back, if that lead pack is ten people, seven metre gaps, you're seventy metres from the front. Mm. And if you want to try to get the front, you've got to ride seventy metres. Yeah. Significantly increase your effort. Yeah. And uh, and do it pretty quickly so you're not breaking the rules. So he was a big advocate of having um, getting rid of the blocking rule. Uh, and and he wasn't quite sure how you'd do that. You'd have to have some sort of passing lane up the middle or something mm. like that. Um, but he said that would 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 help to break the packs up. And it would also help to increase the average speed. <clears throat> so, so he was certainly pushing for that. Really good interview with Dave Scott, though. Oh, check it out. Um, <clears throat> it's quite nice because we always hear about Mark Allen. You know, mm. it's always Mark Allen, Mark Allen, this and that. And Mark, like, guy, the guy's a legend. Can't take it away from him. But it's you know, Dave Scott's a legend too. And we don't really, I don't hear enough of him. Mm. So it's no, good he's, to, maybe he doesn't put his hand up as much as well. Very interesting guy to listen to. Um, mm. So this week's question. Uh, this week's question is. Oh yeah, now this was something I actually I was thinking out on the bike the other day because I don't listen to things I, I keep myself occupied oh yeah um my now on. now the question i'm not going to go into it too much detail basically my question is should um the iron man corporation do they have sort of a obligation to pay the pros more prize money at the moment you know most races the prize mon- money is around about fifty thousand us total prize pool so that's 25 for the men 25 for the women uh, obviously, they're raking in a lot of money um, from from entry fees, and do they have an obligation to you know pay more of that out? You know, if you look at any other sport, um, you know, golf, tennis, whatever, um, they pay big big money, and, and should triathlon have to do that? If you look at say the short course side of things, they are paying much better money because there is quite a bit of competition between the ITU, between some of the like the lifetime fitness races and so on. So, so that's my question. Should they pay more money? And it's got a second part to it. 
Um, which is... Uh, Don't have it on here, mate. Sorry? There's no second part on here. Yeah, there is. Um, if the pros weren't racing... Um, oh, how would it affect the sport? Would it, how would it affect the sport? That's because, a good question. Um, <clears throat> you know, if, if you went to a race, you know, say you're racing at Ironman Arizona, there's no pro, no pro field, would that bother you at all? Um, or do you care? Oh, I've got some the thoughts on this one. I'm going to hold back. Oh, hold it back. I've got some big thoughts. Okay, so this is sort of a two two prong question: Should the should Iron, uh, Ironman Corporation be paying out more prize money at the races? And two, <laughs> does, does, does <laughs> it, I'm, oh, bloody hell! I've done, it, I've done over I've done, I've done over 400k on the bike. I'm losing it. Uh, and <clears throat> no, I'm just going to, have to uh, think about this. Gee. And the second part of it was so what's the second part. The second part is if we didn't have pros, how would it affect the sport? Exactly. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Right. Yeah. Right. Roll on. Age grouper of the week. week. Oh, I've got a sore stomach. Bevan's oh. <laughs> about to have a baby. Uh, I'll take over here. Just give give me the pages in front of me. Yeah, okay, sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not in a good place. So a couple of weeks ago, I, I think I probably gave this guy a bit of a hard time because I was pronouncing his name wrong. Uh, in fact, I had the complete wrong name. His, uh, I was calling him Heath Davies, and his name was actually uh, Highwall Davies. Highwall Davies. Um, so he didn't nominate himself, and you can't nominate yourself for Age Group of the Week. No, you can't. And we had somebody, we had else, somebody, who did. somebody else tried that one, and I said to Bevan, look, you can't nominate no, what you say. So. But we, we do like people nominating other people. Yeah, definitely. And we got a really good link to TriTalk uh, forum about this one. Mm. So, so Highwell um, sent us an email the other week, and he's actually on the same mission as Bevan and, and a few others, sort of trying to get uh, the, the sub-nine-hour Ironman. So he's a pretty handy athlete. Um, but the reason why we wanted to give him Age Grouper of the Week is he went over to Hawaii and things, didn't go, things didn't, didn't go his way. He had a lot of issues uh, chundering. He got stung by a jellyfish or something in the swim. And basically was chundering as soon as he got out of the swim and yeah. chundered continuously through the race. Uh, oh, and he lost his bottle. He lost his lipid oh, yeah. bottle because uh, it fell off the bike. And so he had to, yeah, he wasn't used to the product. One le- lesson, always got to stop and pick it up. Um, it's one yeah. thing that we actually, was actually in the product review. Luke Bell did the similar thing, yeah. dropped his bottle, didn't, didn't stop and pick it up. Now, yeah. this, that was interesting. That just as a side, Cam Brown in his race report said he didn't pick it up because he didn't want to lose the pack. Mm. You know, in retrospect, like what to turn around pickups probably cost you what fifty seconds? Do you think? Like it's a it's a tough well, one. Well, if you it? just drop a bottle, you probably wouldn't lose much. But if he had to go back and find his race bag, if they yeah, didn't have maybe. the right one yeah. there, that might lose you a bit more time. But if you did drop your bottle, and I know I did that in my probably my second Olympic distance race, and I didn't pick it up, and I suffered. So yeah, it's a mistake that a number of people make. And um, but you know you've got to stop and pick it up. Um. So Howell had a pretty tough day, like we said, chundering all the way through. Um, but he really battled on through, and that's what Ironman's all about. Is um, you know he, he would have learned a lot, and he says that in his, his race report. Uh, it's nice because he did say in his race report there was times <coughs> when I thought maybe I should just call it a day, mm. and and then he didn't, and uh, it's really well done. I thought. Kept on plugging through. He still did a nine hours forty four, so it's not exactly um, completely so, pissing around. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> um, it was um so well, we put the link to his uh. Race report. It's a try talk race report. We'll put a link on our show notes for that because it's a pretty bloody good effort from us. Yeah. So uh, one thing we did pick up on was uh, Jim Busnick. Hold on. Hi, oh. Will. You are our oh, age, age group, group of the, of the week. week. Oh, I'm just in my stomach. <laughs> um, the other thing we were going to mention was uh, we got, we gave this guy a bit of a slagging because um, we we've actually given him age group of the week before and then he um, turned out he turned out a, a couple pro. weeks earlier. <laughs> but but uh, 
But anyway, Jim Busnick, for those of you who know, we discussed him. He uh, won the 35 to 39 age group in eight hours, 47. So that was pretty impressive, Jim. So yeah. we'll, we'll reinstate you. No, no, we're not giving it to him. No, we're not giving it to him. No, because he races as a pro. I'm just yeah. saying he did do well. Okay. I'm not giving an age group of the week. <laughs> okay. He's not an age grouper. He's a pro <laughs> disguised as an age grouper. There we go. Website of the week. I was a bit slow off the mark there. No, I was on I was on our website the other day looking at our stats and how many of you guys are actually looking at our website and thousands. Oh millions actually. And uh one thing that they have is they show you the websites that link to your website. Now I can't yeah. remember whose this was, but someone has a blog and they were linking to our website, which is really cool. For those of you who have blogs and they link to our website, really appreciate that guys, it's really cool. And uh and I went and checked out their links and they had this really cool website called swimmersguide.com. And what it is, is it's basically a place where they have just any pool, well not any pool in the world, but they have a list of where pools are at. And you basically click on find a pool, you find your area that you're going to go to or where you are, and then it shows you all the pools within that area. Now I'm not sure if, I didn't go into as much detail, I did try to do the Google Map thing, I think there's a Google Map option, but it didn't work for me. But um, for the traveller... Um, oh, this is great. And it's, it's very useful for me, so, yep. <laughs> because when, when I, we go away for Epic Camp and things like this, I've always got to find pools. So I had a, I had a quick look, and in Christchurch, and they had all the main pools yep, there. Yep. Um, really detailed, too, how much it costs, um, mm. squads, um, like really good information. It's a great website. So it's, it's a bit like the, the bikely thing we talked about the other week with um, you know setting bike routes. These things are only as good as if people sort of help out and provide, so there is a button there to, to add a pool. So just go on there and, and check it out if you're obviously... One, if you want to use it yourself and you want to go travelling, but but also make sure that your local pool is in there. So if people are coming your way, they they know where to go and swim. Um, but really useful. So it's swimmersguide.com. Yeah. And uh, we'll put it obviously up, up on the website. But it's uh, swimmersguide.com. You are our website of the week. Yep, definitely. I'm going to Taipei in a couple of weeks, so I'm going to check out swimmersguide.com. Oh, very yeah, good. Here we go. Nice. One, two, three, four. High five. So, if we had a video camera in it'd be great because Bevan's head's shaking from side to side. He's obviously had a lot of practice Mate, you at this. you can't hold back. Give everything. So, uh, so, saddle swords have been an issue in my life in the last... Actually, it's been something I've always had to bloody get. I'm actually off to the doctor on Wednesday to get it sorted out. I came in tonight and uh, there's got these little appointment cards. Um, yeah, to the doctor. And, I, and I, it's basically the place where I have an office, a place called Active Health. And I saw that. I thought, why has Bevan got an active card for Active Health? Did you know what's really worrying? It's a chick. It is. Oh, yeah. No, you got to show my butt to a chick. And like that. <laughs> I'm stressing big time. My girlfriend goes, oh, there's going to be two of them looking. Like, no, it looks like you got more than five tips there. I know, but this is an important topic. So okay, we're going to fly through them because we've got to go. Okay, first of all, make sure your bike setup fits. Okay, so if your seat's too high, it's really going to make you go bad because you rock side to side on the stroke and that's basically going to start to irritate your skin, get a greater chance of infection. So if you're suffering from saddle sores, consider having your setup done. And, and you should have that done properly anyway, but yeah, yeah definitely. Okay, next up. Uh, stand frequently. Now they, um, oh, sorry, yeah. Bevan's having a lot of issues here, stomach issues. I pushed him too hard. Oh, you kidding me? <laughs> um, basically, you just want to stand up. I mean, not not just gives your um, your crutch a break, but it also just helps it with a little bit of circulation there. Um, gives the rest of your body a break as well. So, just uh, you know, standing up every uh, every few minutes, not every few nah. minutes, but probably about every uh, ten minutes or so. You want to just get out of your seat, uh, stretch your legs out a bit, uh, and obviously when you're out, when you're doing some hill climbing, no, don't just sit down all the time. Get a bit of a uh, bit of a stretch going on there, and it helps with the circulation. 
Okay, um, moving the saddle. Um, so move on the saddle. You basically want your sit bones on the back of the seat because uh, that gives you the Three most support. Three points of pressure. Yeah, yeah, basically. So move further back into the seat, when you, especially in the climbs um, and towards the middle of the seat on the low and the flats. Just vary it, right? And I mean, same thing happens when you get on your aero bars. You just keep varying your position a bit and that'll help. Yeah. Um, choose a smooth ch- chamois. Yeah. Um, but I think this is personal preference. I mean, you just got to find the chamois that's right for you. But uh, yeah. But we, we we recommend a smooth smooth chamois that works for us. Well, it doesn't actually work for Bevan, but um, works for me. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it doesn't work for me. No, oh, my, nothing's my working for Bevan. Oh, don't tell you about my stomach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> select a supportive seat. I say, you, you, and this is the thing. Often bikes come with the seats, and that. You know, you actually want to try and go for a ride before you buy a bike. Most bike shops, I know Scotty Brown, this is a great bike shop. Um, when you go to Scotty Brown's, they'll let you go for a big ride. No, let you go for a couple hour bike ride on your bike. And oh, yeah. they're really good like that. And, you know, you want to, if, you, if you buy a shop, you really should because you're putting a lot of money into a bike. And if the seat doesn't feel right, and you know, those, that's the time when you're actually going to figure that stuff out. And once you've bought it and you've gone riding on it for a while, they may not let you do, you know, make those changes then. So find out what a good supportive seat is and then really get into that. But, yeah, go. Yep, next one up, lube uh, to reduce friction. Yep, so where we do that, you always lube up. There's various different things you can use for lubing. Um, you know, there's different different sorts of creams. Uh, I, I tend to just use Vaseline. Other people have uh, you know, loads of other different sorts of things. Yeah, they do. Yeah, there, and there are some ones that are more have some antibacterial cream in them, so you yeah. look out for those ones as well. Um, keep it clean. Always clean your shorts after every ride. And uh, basically, if you're... The pants are dirty and uh, the crutch has got... It's not good. Yeah, and, and so try to wash them with antibacterial soap every once in a while and keep the water nice and warm while you're lubing up. Um, also, make sure your, drain, your skin is dry when you put lube on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Last one is strip quick. Um, when you finish your rides, get your get your gear off because it's all wet and sweaty and all those that bacteria and fungus is starting to grow down there. So, so get get quick uh get stripped down quick get in the shower and uh and then get yourself dried off really quickly as well and wet and wear loose fitting clothing so i said to belinda that they have, i haven't got saddle sores but i've uh i've got a fair bit of uh Raw. skin <laughs> re- removed from our uh, excessive uh, riding in the last couple of days yeah i said i'm gonna be wearing nice loose shorts for the next couple of days um so that's our high five. Well, high one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's our high eight for this week. Yeah, we may um, actually do a high five for what you do if you have. That's them. what exactly what I was going to say. When, when we come back uh, next week, we'll have a high five on uh, what to do when you do have saddle sores. Okay, product review centre. What it takes. So John was pretty good. He got some initiative and actually wrote to the people who made the movie and said, can you send us a copy of it so we can do a review? Um, we got that last Friday. Yep, we got it last week. I watched it, uh, I think, I, yeah, I watched it on Friday, I think. Uh, yep. Hot off the press. Hot off the and, press. Uh, and then handed it over to Bevan and he watched it over the weekend as well. So what do you think? I thought it was, it was good. You know, I really thought it was good. There were some things I thought were fantastic. Yep. Um, some things I thought, you know, could have, could have done better or, or I perhaps would have liked a, a better angle. But, but yep. overall... Is well worth a watch. Um, both of us particularly enjoyed the the profiling on Peter Reed. Peter Reed was fantastic. Yeah. If, if anything, you want to watch this movie just to watch the Peter Reed. Yeah, basically, it's uh, Peter Reed, Laurie Bowden, uh, Luke Bell, Luke Bell, and Heather Fuhr, and I've got a number of other sort of guest people sort of yeah. speaking on there. But it's really profiling them in their lead up to the 2005 Hawaii Ironman. Yeah. Uh, and so just what, what good it takes year before to basically. Yeah, they basically start out a year before preseason training. Um, and yeah, fantastic insight. The Peter Reed stuff was was great. He was he was just like the others. They they others they kind of showed they tried to show different athletes. So the Luke Bell's the younger guy, and Peter Reed's kind of the guy at the top of his game, and, and the other two were kind of similar situation. 
And uh, but they just, and I think they did really well because Peter Reed was he just hit the gold. He was just so honest and. I know for myself, I identify with a lot of the things he was saying as an Ironman athlete who commits a lot of my time and my life to this blooming sport that we do, that um, he was just, he was just, I found he was brilliant. Yeah, so it's so definitely well worth a watch. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see a sort of sequel with maybe sort of profiling the, the Germans versus, say, the, the Southern Hemisphere athletes yeah. and sort of seeing the different styles there. And, um, yeah, there's, there's other things I can do, but I think it's, it's definitely well worth a watch. And, uh, and hopefully it's a start. You know, we're going to see a bit more of this. We've seen a few mm. cycling ones come out, and, uh, and I think it would be great if we could, we could see more of them. So One thing I would have liked to see a little bit more of, as I mentioned to John on the bike, was that they didn't really go into the training, you know, what, you know, what it takes on the training side. They show a little bit. They kind of write some subtitles saying, you know, 40-hour weeks and blah, blah, blah. Um, I would have liked to have seen a bit more of, maybe because they race trained by themselves it's a little bit hard to cover but we'd like to see a bit more of that what was really really cool was that you know for John and I being Ironman athletes that we really enjoyed it and we really had kind of just enjoyed it because we understood it but both of our partners really really enjoyed it as well my partner Annalise um, she's an athlete herself but um, she just thought it was a really great movie and, mm. uh, and you said Belinda was the same just she really really like oh, <laughs> but, but okay. she was more than happy she like she would normally struggle to sort of sit down and watch a, a sports sort of documentary yeah, like yeah. that um, and she sat through and enjoyed it. And she said, "Yeah, that was that was good. That yeah. was, quite enjoyed it." So support um, them, guys. Get out there and support them. It's, yeah, I, I know you enjoy it. So, so, so for you Americans, um, we'll go through where it's been played around America in a moment. Um, if you go to the website, witmovie dot com, I think it is. We'll have a link, uh, on, we'll the have a link yeah. on the show. Um, it's pretty reasonably priced, and it's uh, pretty cheap to get it shipped anywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, it does play. It's it's a DVD and it's multi-regional DVD. Oh, cool! So, nice, uh, no zoning. So we, yep. we had it and played it in New Zealand, no problems at all. Uh, and yeah, support it. You know, it's yep. great. And if we can support it, we'll see more of it. So if you're Americans, uh, if you want to check out the movie, it's going to be in a number of cinemas, uh, mostly this weekend or the weekend after. Uh, go to the website, but we'll just quickly run through it. Oh, uh, we'll just put it on the website. We'll put, put it on, on the website. website. It's going to Austin, Boulder, Boulder Chicago, Chicago, Dallas, Denver, Los Angeles. Minneapolis, New no. York, San Diego, San Francisco, Menio Park, uh, Seattle, and Washington, D.C. Most of the shows are sort of on the 8th or 9th of November. A uh, few of them are different dates. Uh, one's 25th of October, so you're probably going to miss that. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely worth a watch, so go and check it out, witmovie.com. Yeah, definitely. Was, uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay, so in the uh, the hot Ironman Talk studios oh, today, we've got uh, Andrew Abercan. Andrew's a uh, Hawaii qualifier, Hawaii finisher, uh, physio in Christchurch, and he's uh, got a bit of an interesting accent. So he's a Canadian, lived in Scotland. A Canadian. And now is yeah, he, yeah, now, it or not. <laughs> now is living in New Zealand and goes out with a Spanish girl. So we've got a bit of a, <laughs> a few accents going on there. But if you can understand Bevan and me. Uh, you shouldn't have any problems with Andrew. But what we're going to talk about today is, is sort of some recovery tactics because Andrew and I were away on a camp uh, last weekend or the weekend before and uh, Andrew's really been looking into different ways just to, to aid recovery a little bit and just talking about, you know, obviously how not to smash yourself into the ground and uh, so you can back up, get the most out of your training and uh, and obviously the most out of your racing. So it's one area you're sort of pretty keen on at the moment, Andrew, is um, getting into the ice baths or just getting into a cold bath do you want to just sort of run us through sort of the background of, of the research you've looked into on that i think this is one of the areas that uh, athletes have actually really led it and researchers are chasing their tails um, 
there's a lot of anecdotal evidence from some top-notch uh, or top-end rugby teams and top-end racers, say like Paula Radcliffe, who uh, historically, not just recently, have spent a lot of time in ice baths. If anyone's read her book, um, she used to spend her childhood after each run in the ice bath for about 15 minutes. And, uh, and a, a cold water bath uh, in 10 to 12 degrees Celsius. And she'd always have a, a warm sweater on and uh, be reading in recovery. And uh, and as a result of that, over the last well, 10 years, there's been a bit of research in that, just seeing why the body may recover a bit better. You know, historically, uh, the health professionals uh, recommend uh, ice for an injury to try and uh, you know s- slow down the process of inflammation. And I, I think that's sort of changing now. Um, what they're sort of finding, especially with rugby teams, is there's so much impact, not only when you're training as a, as a triathlete, but when you're doing playing rugby, it's an impact sport, and the whole body is getting so much impact that the, um, there's a considerable amount of breakdown at a, a very small cellular level. And uh, the, the, the thinking is that um, with an ice bath, you're, uh, you're cooling the periphery, you're cooling your limbs, and that is, uh, is, that is slowing the blood flow, reducing a wee bit of the the stress on the heart and the second thing is is that it's um it's slowing the metabolic process that occurs in in say the bone and the muscle area um so there's not so much uh, metabolites uh um, spilling out into the blood and uh, clogging up the artery so to speak so it's a very crude way of saying it but that's that's currently um the thought process the two key reasons mm-hmm. why they feel an ice bath is um beneficial. paul record's been doing it for a long time yeah, yeah. really oh yeah Nobody else sort of cottoned on to it. Well, not many yeah. people have cottoned on to it. No, I, I think there's a number of athletes who've been doing it for a long time, but it's just not really um, became mainstream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And you know, honestly, I've I've, I've looked, up, I've tried to find as much as possible on it, but the only two uh, studies that have really been worth mentioning is one that looked at um, doing a delayed onset of muscle soreness testing, which uh, any number of athletes will know from a really harsh, high intensity session. The next morning, your legs are all stuffed up. Um, and uh, they just looked at uh, creatine kinase, which is uh, an enzyme that should really be in the muscle. And uh, after a lot of strenuous exercise, it leaks out into the arteries. And uh, when they did ice baths, the um, the control subject had quite a bit. Uh, sorry, the the experimental subject had quite a bit less in their body, uh, in the arteri- arteries, in the blood flow. Mm. And uh, the other one that, that John was alluding to is they did um, a study in, uh, where they used 15 subjects who ran 90 minutes each and they were all well-conditioned athletes and each one of them, all 15 of them, did a crossover study. So there was there was three ba- types of baths. One was 5 degrees Celsius. I don't know how they managed to last long. <laughs> and uh, one was 12 degrees Celsius and the other was an empty bath, which of course is a control. Bevan was asking about the empty bath. Placebo effect. If there's no water, how can you get away with it? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. However, I have a suspicion that the fact that, you know, because you're in sort of an enclosed receptacle aside from the standing up, that uh, maybe that's supposed to mimic yeah. the same positioning. Yeah. And, I found uh, it amusing. Um, yeah, I don't know how they withstood five degrees Celsius. That's, that's very cold. And, and anyone who was on the camp will tell you that the first few times you get in that bath, even 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 the stream, which I think was about nine, ten degrees Celsius, was uh, bloody cold. Yeah. And uh, but you know, yeah, you know, a couple of the boys, I know Rob Creasy's been doing it. He's um he's one of the local coaches here, and uh, he's actually found he's adapted quite well, and he reports good results. Um, Axel Riser, yeah, um, and his girlfriend Sabina doing it, and they they're quite happy with it. And uh, it takes a while to acclimatize, but these people did the did the, the 15 minute bath and then they went out and did a two minute race uh, so a two a two mile race 
and uh, well, then they did a crossover. So each person did the 5 degree, the 12 degree, and the control, uh, the empty bathtub, and the cold water. Every time they went in the cold water, they ran a personal best. Yeah. And the 5 degrees or the 12? The 12 degrees. Oh, really? There was, there was a subtle difference, but, you know, science is supposed to say significant differences. So the, the significant difference was always with the cold water bath. The ice bath was still significantly faster than the controls, oh, yeah. but there wasn't much difference. And I think most people would agree that 12 degrees is a bit more palatable than yeah. 5 degrees. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. So, um, so, so, there you go. Oh, so, so for an Ironman athlete, you know, for us, how often would you use it? And what kind of session, you know, what, what are the kind of criteria you'd set to using it? I think that... Um, anything over about 60 minutes on uh, the bike <clears throat> and especially the run yeah uh, i think it's quite reasonable and i think it's also fairly convenient because um you know it, it depends even if you're coming off your bike and going for a run coming back into the house you you know there's a wee glycogen window that hopefully people are taking advantage of where you're refueling you know specific muscles you've been stressing so you may be cramming some food down you um either you're, you're eating or, or drinking rehydrating um, and so that's a nice opportunity just to, you know, have, have run your bathtub, of course, <laughs> and slipped a, um, a warm top on. If you're quite wet after the workout and it's a cool day, dry off with a towel that you're obviously not going to dry off again with and then put a sweater on. So your actual ups, you know, your, your top yeah. is dry and then sit in the tub. You will not like the first three minutes. <laughs> Nobody likes the first three minutes. But if you hang in there for three minutes and you can wear a woolly hat as well, too, you can read a book. Um, and that you know that passes the time usually quite quickly. And after three minutes, most of the time, you'd be pleasantly surprised how tolerable it is. Yep, yep. And uh, you know, in that time, you can be munching and refueling. Yep. And uh, you know, and fifteen minutes is gone, and you, you've sort of, you know, you've you've managed to make very efficient use of your time. You've got hopefully mm. some recovery. You will feel stiff afterwards um, mm. initially. That you know, over the next ten minutes or so, that'll loosen up again. And, and most people report um, sort of a fresh feeling. Mm. Um, so generally for most Ironman athletes it's pretty much after every session really isn't it because most of our sessions are over an hour long yeah I would yeah. I would think so um, I think it, you could say personal experimentation is up to each individual um, how it fits in with their schedules and stuff but I think it's a nice opportunity um, you know there's um, also some good evidence uh, starting to support um, post-exercise stretching uh, not necessarily pre-exercise stretching and um and that you know so that most of the research says that you know you lose you know there's research talking about um losing the ability to generate force and that's why they're, they're poo-pooing um sort of doing acute stretching right before exercise yeah, yeah. and quite interesting listen up and, uh, <laughs> you know and, and there is there's there's good evidence supporting the fact your stretch reflexes diminish so as an experiment you know for yourself if you sit down and do a stretch if you hold a stretch after seven seconds you should feel that stretch start to diminish. And that's a very crude way of, of confirming that you've actually diminished um, your stretch reflex, which is actually an important generator of power. Yep. And that's how our system, you know, our stretch elastic uh, component works in kicking off good power. So in a way you're diminishing that. I, I find that, um, and it's clinical experience, that if you had to make a choice between a really tight muscle and a loss of power, I would certainly argue that um, uh, a more flexible muscle um, especially for the, the uh, for an Ironman distance, for example, maybe not for sprinting, is is definitely more worthwhile. However, once you've done your exercise, you don't need to worry about all that force potential. So, you know, it's important to make sure that you regain the flexibility that you used to. And I think there's good arguments to say that people overstretch. Um, and I think that uh, you know, person by person, we need to work at the flexibility they need to get into. And 
and for example iron man i spent a lot of time in the drops a lot of time in the aero bars and uh, you know i see a lot of them who really need uh, who really benefit from uh, so one of the other sort of things we're going to talk a little bit about is is obviously how intensity and how that sort of has a bit of an impact on on recovery and and how you can sort of back up on session to session yeah um and also sort of the possibly the pros and cons of, of group training um you know there's obviously definite benefits in terms of you know you can push yourself that little bit harder um but obviously you've got to use your your own common sense what, what have you sort of been seeing lately and, and what's your sort of thoughts on this well, I think that uh, the training zones you 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 formulate in your training diary and uh, agree with your coach or whichever guru or book yep, yep. that you, you're working with, you need to stick with. And that's unfortunately for some people why um, you spend a lot of time training alone because you're working in your own zones. Um, training together has a lot of benefits, you know, a good source of motivation. But sometimes it's difficult, not just for timetables, but just for ability to match up with other people that are similar. And there's always the inherent tendency to try and uh, half wheel each other or um, uh, or just smash it up a wee bit more than you would usually. Um, people tend to start training to their uh, speedometer and not their heart rate as they're going. Yeah. Um, but by the same token, you know, you, you can get some really good quality sessions because time flies and it's a really good uh, stimulation mm. to keep yourself going. Um, I think you just need to put it in perspective at times. And, you know, there's a classic story of Hamish Carter um, coming back from his um, Olympic uh, medal and, and uh, his training group used to show up and smash him. And uh, they'd take great joy in it. <laughs> they never, you know, never figured out that Hamish was just doing the exact same session the next day and the next day and the next day. Whereas they'd just do one session and they walk away thinking they're king of their field yeah. and that'd be them for the week. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, this, you know, this is great gratifying, but at the same time, you know, in the long term, it sets yourself up for a potential injury because, you know, you're loading your heart quite a bit more and your recovery, even, even without what we discussed earlier, is, um, is quite a bit of an overload. And uh, as I said before, you, you want to try and facilitate um, the recovery of the heart. Your cardiac output needs to be minimized and reduced as soon as possible. So. Mm. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, I completely lost my chain of thought. Think, think of something, Bevan. Okay. How about that rugby? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I totally agree, and and I I'm no a big believer in in terms of uh, group side of things. And Bevan and I train together all the time. Yeah, and, but John uh, and I have very close ability, aren't we? We're yeah. very similar. We often look at our hearts, and they're very similar. And yeah, it's quite nice with John and I because we are of a, of a very ability at least on the bike and the run yeah swimming. the key thing is is um yeah, but you kick his ass up the hill don't you <laughs> yeah. oh, i try <laughs> you just if you're out with a group you just sort of stick to your zone and like we were riding today and, and bevan sort of pulled away i said mate you just pull away i'm, I'm quite happy going at my pace <laughs> mm, mm. and um but you still get the motivation from somebody else being out there so um yeah, yeah. Use, yeah. The, use the internet as well you know those forums are a great place to try and find people yeah. uh of similar ability and uh you know and that's the key is find, if you are going to find groups, find groups that are of similar ability. You, you know, don't don't go riding with guns if you're not a gun yourself. And you know, and if it's a key session where they're going to smash themselves, and that's not what you're meant to be doing that day. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's you know to know what other people are focusing on that day is also important as well. Mm. Yeah, I'd also say that um, there's lots of ways of working around it too. You know, if, if you do have somebody that you want to go out with, you know, there's for example, if you're the stronger rider or the stronger runner, you come back for them. Mm. You know, there's always catch up time, for yeah. example, or you can say, look, you know, you're going to do 90k. I'll meet you 50k into it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, so you can go at your own tempo. 
take a shortcut and still have a good quality set, finish off getting sharp mm. and all that stuff. Mm. So there are ways of getting around it instead of just, you know, dropping somebody and, and getting all fed up with them. So the last thing we wanted to mention was Oh, no, I've, got my, I've got my chain of thought oh, back Oh, now. is it back, is it? My, my chain of thought oh, okay. back. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I know, I know one of the things you mentioned on the camp was sort of a lot of this the stuff we're talking about is really goes back to what, you know, probably we all learned to either school or if we did our first aid course, it's all about rice, um, you know, sort of rest... Rest. <laughs> Can you remember? It? Rest icing. Is it? Uh, uh, you want to okay. give it a go? Rest, rest, rest ice, ice compression elevation. Uh, there we go. You stop with thunder. Um, and so obviously, we, you know, rest is is relatively self-explanatory. Yeah. But we've sort of covered the icing side of it. Compression. Um, you know, we, we're seeing a lot of the in New Zealand. We've got skins. I'm not sure if that's a worldwide thing or. But it's in Australia. I know that compression yeah. pants. So what have you sort of seen uh, much research on that? And, and yeah, what's yeah. your own personal experience? You know, it's funny in the sense that they've used compression stockings for ages in hospital for post-op complications. Yep. And, uh, you know, it, we've known about it for so long, but we've not really transmitted over to, um, you know, sort of the athletic Athletes. side yeah. of things. Mm. And uh, the, the compression stockings in hospital weren't exactly the most aesthetically pleasing, yeah. but they worked amazingly well. And, uh, and the, again, the thing is just about trying to uh, slow down the cardiac output peripherally, okay, return it to the heart, um, because again, your heart has to push. Once you stop exercising, uh, sorry, as you're exercising, your heart uh, muscle is facilitated by skeletal muscle. Your skeletal muscle acts as a pump. It pumps the blood out and in, and so it facilitates it. And when you stop exercising, of course, your heart actually increases um, in the load it has to provide to keep pumping that blood through. Mm -hmm. And so what you're trying to do is reduce the strain on the periphery, because even though you've done lots of exercise and you've stopped, the muscles you've been working, most likely your legs, still demand um, you to get rid of the wastes and to provide them with energy. And that's why the glycogen window is quite handy because, mm. you know, they'll, they'll be preferentially uh, receptive to um, uptake of fuel. And so that's a nice time to refuel, but also means there's still a continued demand. So to get a balance of that, you know, with wearing these compression stockings, you know, you, you slowly, subtly reduce that load, um, but you reduce it faster than you would normally. Yeah. And again, that's why elevation can come into it quite nicely. You've got all gravity kicking in there. Yeah. And, you know, just putting your leg on an ottoman doesn't count. It actually needs to be a level with your head. Yeah. And, uh, and there's arguments to say you don't necessarily want it to be too much higher than that. Um, to be honest, even in, in an acute injury, the best evidence to date for preventing the swelling that, um, and, you know, subsequent edema that you know, holds up people from getting back to activities is compression and elevation. Mm. Ice is not necessarily the best supported. There's, there's pros and cons about using ice. Um, cold water baths, um, I certainly can't um, find enough evidence to support it, but I, I, I have found through a few people that have tried it that it's actually very good for acute injuries, like an acute ankle and acute knee. It's very good, again, because it doesn't just work on specific cooling. It actually works on cooling the whole leg. Yeah. So the whole the yep. blood flow is slowing down. So again, that metabolic process as a whole is slowing down, not mm -hmm. just as a very localized thing. And that can make a good difference. So again, those compression stockings definitely can provide a good benefit. Mm. Um, How long do you typically elevate your legs for when you uh, post-training? Post um, actually, I wouldn't know. No. To be honest, I, I'd have to suggest that a, you know, m probably from the experience I'd have from an injury perspective, it'd be about ten to fifteen minutes at a time. Yeah. And did I? I couldn't say that. Yeah. Um, again, I think that you need to put that in perspective. You still want to, you know, there's 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 talks about and, and people use flushing, for example, where they 
they reduce the flow, they reduce the cardiac output to the periphery, and uh, either by compression or cold and heat, cold, and then they, they, they bring it back down, bring the leg down or take off the compression and apply heat, so then you flush it, yep. and then, mm. then you repeat the procedure. Um, so hot and cold baths, contrast baths, and stuff like that. Again, that's, that's arguably something similar. Um, yeah. Oh, that's wicked, mate. Yeah, Thank man. you very much for coming along. Bit of a legend, don't you? He is. He's a man of many talents. Oh, he's gonna, not just an Iron Man. Everybody in Tauranga, look out, because he's going to come up and smash you all. Smashes. You got a, what are your big plans? You got Tauranga? Anything else on Do the New horizon? Oh, no, I, I, might, uh, I might give the longest day a nudge. Oh, oh, back it up. Got a coast coaster. That's for well, those who don't know, coast to coast is a multi-sport event. Not getting invited and, uh, back now. Yeah, this is Iron Man talk. <laughs> However, I'm doing a half Iron Man down in Gore. If anyone else would like to come down, Gore, yeah. Gore. What now? What date is Gore? This it's, is like January twenty seventh, of January. Now, give us a bit of details on the course because I have had a number of people ask me about this. It's is it a lakes sort of a? Um, I think lake is probably lake a stretch of the imagination. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a it's a fresh water well it's, yeah. a, it's not a salt water swim <laughs> yeah it, it, it's definitely a wetsuit and uh, it's a very interesting swim um, you have to swim close to the boys um, I've been beached twice <laughs> too far away from the boys it's um it, they swear it's a thousand meters per lap yeah uh, I find it hard to believe but hey I'm not complaining yeah. <laughs> very good swim times uh, faster than usual and they, they use GPS systems to measure it um, but it's uh, it anecdotally is a watering hole as well too. Oh really? But uh, I can assure you, it's uh, as clean as anything on the day. And then uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you come out onto uh, um, a ten kilometer course. Let me just make sure that's right because I miscounted one year. Not ten. <laughs> it's ten kilometers. Um, so you do nine nice. laps and you do um, an honesty set as well too. So they throw another was it two k, two k in for the bike and then one k in for the run because oh, really? you you run. So you do your, your nine lap. You do, you start to do one lap, and then there's the honesty set at the top where you yeah. double back to make up for the distance, uh-huh. and then it's all just the nine laps, and uh, it's a pretty kick-ass climb uh, in one quarter of it. And it's basically a rectangular loop, and the rest of it is actually a subtle downhill. It's a pretty sweet yeah. bike course, honestly. Yeah. And uh, and the runs the reverse. Yeah. So you get I've heard they've got lots that. of spot prizes. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, and definitely uh, go down to Gore. It's got to be said. It's it's great value for money. It's like fifty bucks, and uh, they love having you. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's a good sponsored event too, and they've they actually set it for multi-sporters. I know <coughs> you're choking those before, <laughs> but uh, you know it sets it nicely because you know you're you're halfway. Well, you're near the end of your bike end, and uh, then all these other um, multi-sporters spill out onto the. The causeway, and it's just uh, a good challenge for um, <laughs> yeah. you know uh, mo- making your way through other athletes too. Um, oh, so yeah, it's it's I think it's very well put together. Mm, yeah. Good luck. So, like January, Sid coming? Does he organize it? Or is, yeah, uh, yeah. Sid, Sid's, Sid's yeah. organized one or two years. I think he's taken a bit of a backseat, but now he's definitely yeah. involved yeah. in it too. So Gore, Gore. Lower, lower part of the South Island. So if people are looking for a race. Another half Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. Bring it on. Well, thanks for coming along, man. And uh, we might get you back one day to talk a bit more about sort of physio-related things and a bit of core at some stage. I know that's uh, that's a bit of a hot topic. uh, We'll talk about that one day. But thank you very much for coming along. And you've got to let you go home for dinner now. And, uh, oh, can you say something in Spanish for our Spanish listeners? Uh, Hola, ¿qué tal? Me llamo Andrew. Nice. Oh, very good. Hasta luego. All right, mate. Well, thanks for coming along. See you later. See you. Um, What was I going to say... 
It's an hour, mate. It's we've an hour. we've cracked the hour. We've got to give give Bevan a. Oh, just one thing. We just were on Ironman.com then, and we actually realised Kentucky is sold out, so it's yeah. too late. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> so the time this comes out, it's too late. So good luck to everybody racing Kentucky. Yeah. And uh, right, so we're not going to do any questions and answers because yeah. Bevan is about to keel over Honestly, and die on me here. My stomach is killing me. He is gonna have um, a baby. <laughs> so, so what do you got on for this week, mate? It's a big week. We still haven't finished our big training. It's just begun. Tell the story. So yesterday we did uh, yeah about one seventy five, one seventy eight. Yep. Uh, and I did an hour run off the bike. Bevan had a few classes. I had to teach aerobics afterwards to one hundred and thirty people. I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> and then today we did the old two thirty eight plus a little twenty minute run off the bike. And then uh, tomorrow we're just going to do sort of two to three hours, pretty easy with a bit of a run. Yep. And then Thursday, Bevan's teaching a lot, and I'm going to get in a long run and a swim. And mm. then Friday, we're going to back it up with a 180k buster over to Akira and back, which is a very difficult ride. And uh, and then on Saturday, I'm going to do a half Ironman simulation. Nice. So it's going to be a pretty tough week. It was um it was interesting today when we went to Queenstown. We talked about going to Queenstown a while ago, and. Uh, for me, one of the big lessons I learned in Gwenstown was the nutritional aspect. And uh, mm-hmm. today I jumped on the bike and we basically did a 3K loop of about 80Ks, wasn't it? Three three laps. Oh, yeah, okay. only three laps of an 80K loop. And uh, it was really good. I really had learnt from that experience. I made a decision early on that I was going to pretty much get my high five gels and have, you know, pretty much have one every half an hour for the ride and eat, you know, some, you know, real food in between the breaks and stuff like that and drink as much as possible. And it was really interesting. The first hour I was really struggling just maybe because we'd had a big day yesterday and my body was a bit tired. And the first lap overall, I was kind of struggling. The second lap, I felt better. But the interesting thing was, by the third lap, I felt really strong mentally and physically. And I put that a lot down just to those nutritional things that Emma kind of talked about and, yeah. you know, the lessons I learned when we went to Queenstown. And, um, you know, just a lesson for you guys is, you know, when you do your big training, you know, make, you know, nutrition is just so, so important. Yeah. And even when I got home, I still felt really, you know, I felt really good. I, like, normally when you get home after a long ride like that, you're just written off. But yeah. I, yeah, so it was, it was good. A, we got faster each lap. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. We, we had everything well. thrown at us. I mean, we had the we had to change plans yesterday because of weather conditions. Yep. We had a huge storm come through and it blew all these trees down. Yep. And it was pissing down with rain, but we still got. We had to just delay our start a bit. Yep. And then we tried to start to our ride today, and they closed off a road, and we had to take a detour. We had to do cyclocross at one stage. Yep. To get oh. up a uh, get up a mountain, but that's that's the we'll, we'll tell you about that another day. Bevan's going to die on me here. Um, so if you've got if you've got any email questions, um, oh, no, I can do it. Email questions, ironmantalk at gmail dot com. <laughs> Our show notes to ironman dot uh, com, talk dot com. Click on those ads. Very very exciting. Oh yeah, you guys do really really well for clicking on the ads. Oh, that's, we like that. Yeah, that's very good. I'm really proud of you guys. Good work. Also, I show our numbers have been picking up heaps recently. So you obviously are kind of telling your friends. I really appreciate that. Tell your tri clubs and tell your friends. Uh, keep that up. Um, also, iTunes. iTunes uh, I don't think I think we should do the be better people. Yeah, yeah. We got a really bad comment on iTunes. We were a little bit disappointed, but I think we, what we're gonna ask from you, if you guys want to go on iTunes and give us, just we just want you to give you a view. Someone gave a view that they didn't really like our show, and uh, it was, we just we were a little bit offended by it. But we're gonna play the higher ground. We're just gonna say, you know, if, if you could have a view on our show, if you go on iTunes, and if you are able to go on iTunes and give a comment, can you do that for us? And uh, we really appreciate that. Um, what else? Um, oh, really exciting. We've got our first advertiser now. It's, we're going to talk about it next week. Yeah. Um, but it's great, great news. It's yeah. Supporting the show. And it's a good product. And, really good uh, product. And uh, we'll, we'll touch on that next week. And we'll Looking forward to helping them. Yeah, definitely. They're and, helping uh, us. We're going to help them. It goes both ways, mate. Mm. You know, that's how it works. It goes both ways. You go both ways, don't you?
Might have to cut that for that. <laughs> we had to cut out a number earlier. I'm not cutting it out, mate. You're, you're a shocker. You are. You're a big shocker. Anyway, oh, so what dear. else? That's it, yeah. Mate, I'm not even, there's not much else happening in life this week. I'm doing week, Epic Camp. That's really exciting. I'm training. doing Epic Camp. Did I turn into Epic Camp? You're doing Epic Camp. Did you have up the stomach? Oh, oh the stomach. I'm going home to my wife. Oh, yeah, mate. <laughs> no, I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> See you same time, same place next week, guys. Get out of here. It's really weak.